Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Welcome, everyone, to Man vs. Machine. I'm not Billy Muzio. I'm Theo Greminger filling in for Billy. I tried to will myself to grow the Billy Muzio beard when I found out two days ago I was filling in for Billy. As hard as I tried, it didn't happen. So apologies to Billy. Um, lack of facial hair here on Man vs. Machine. Joined by Dario Ofstein. Dario, how are you doing today? Doing great. I was just going to say, you could have run down to your local like 99 cent store or something. Just like pick up a little little fuzz. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I should have done something, but I hope everybody at home is comfortable watching this. It's a little different than Billy, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, it is Dynasty Week here uh, in the Road to Wonderworld at Player Profiler. All week long, we're dropping Dynasty material. Yesterday, we had a Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. It was fantastic. Matt Allen and I were joined by Derek Brown and Pat Fitzmorris uh, of Fantasy Pros. Um, and today we have another Dynasty heavyweight uh, in the Road to Wonderworld with Heath Cummings of CBS. Uh, Heath puts out tremendous material, podcast-wise, written material. Uh, he pretty much does it all. If you're a Dynasty player, you most likely follow him on Twitter. Um, Heath, how are you doing today? And and welcome. Thank you very much. And you know, if we'd have done this in January or February, I could have brought the beard. I, I generally start about week 15. I tell my bosses, well, I'm telling people I'm growing a playoff beard. And then I'm just allowed to continue growing it through the rest of the season. And then we get to the off season and nobody cares. Unfortunately, I live in South Florida. So that lasts until about the last week of February. And then summer starts here and I have to shave it off because it's too hot. Heath with the weather flex on us. That, that was a very, very <laughs> impressive how you dropped that, Heath. Um, Heath, why don't you tell everybody about some of the podcasts you're dropping and some of the written material, your rankings? I mean, you guys are doing a lot right now. We, we are doing a lot right now. I was just saying I, I don't have any new written content on the site for the last week because we've actually been writing everything for our magazine that will come out in July. So that's been exciting. But on the podcast front, I've done three this week. We're doing Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the regular fantasy football today. But the, the thing that I'm most excited about that we added about two months ago, fantasy football today, Dynasty. We're doing that at Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern on YouTube. It's also in the podcast feed, kind of interviewing guests from around the industry. It's our first step into Dynasty in the podcast format. I started writing Dynasty content at CBS. We didn't have anything four or five years ago. Now we have rankings, we have tiers, we have player prospect outlooks on the site during draft season. We're doing pretty much everything for Dynasty now, and it's I, I love it. I'd, I'd like to do that just all year round. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I, I I love how I love how there's like dynasties kind of blowing up right now. Yes. Um, you know, it's something that we've discussed before when you came on Goat District and stuff that Dario and I actually discuss every single week. Um, you know, we have our our dynasty rankings meeting. So this is this is awesome. It's my first time with just me and Dario on a on a podcast, and we're gonna get after it today, guys. We, we're gonna talk about dynasty risers and fallers. We're gonna try to identify some of the players that can really really help your dynasty roster. And maybe a few players that we have a little bit of apprehension on uh, after we hear an ad from from our sponsor. Oh, baseball season's heating up. It's all about baseball right now. You know, eh, baseball, baseball. Yeah, baseball is the most exploitable 
of the sports, especially on Rival Fantasy, RivalFantasy.com. Go there now. They have the fantasy book where you can take over under a certain number of fantasy points, and they have challenges where you can take player X or player Y. I get great pleasure out of fading Mike Trout into oblivion. And then don't forget about Fantasy Bingo, where you can say, okay, I think Acuna's going to steal a base today. I think that Freddie Freeman's going to have two hits based on the matchup. The lefty-righty and the pitcher-quality matchups that you could exploit are unlike any other sport. Go to RivalFantasy.com, use the promo code PLAYER, they refund any losses up to 50 bucks, and they are a great supporter of Player Profiler. Everything we do, this show in particular, is only possible because of Rival. RivalFantasy.com, the promo code is PLAYER. Dario and Heath, are you guys baseball guys? I'm just curious. I was actually hired at CBS. My first fantasy season was a baseball season. And for the first three or four years that I worked at CBS, I did fantasy baseball and fantasy football. And then I almost went insane and had to drop one of those. So <laughs> I don't I don't watch as much baseball or play as much fantasy baseball as I used to. But I used to be a huge, huge baseball guy. I mean, same here. Like I, baseball is kind of what got me into just sports analytics in general. I mean, I remember reading Moneyball and then seeing the movie. So definitely that that passion is also kind of weaned off a little bit. I remember, I think when the Dodgers like signed that TV deal and went to Spectrum only, I really like I, I was no longer able to watch them day in, day out. And I think that really kind of changed my connection to the sport, unfortunately. But yeah, still still love the game. I, I think when you mention analytics, like that's the key for me. Like that was the first sport that even embraced analytics at all to to any extent and so yeah i can like even with with baseball cards and trying to create your own stats as a kid like that was the thing that got me into stats yeah it's definitely for me like i enjoy going to a baseball game but i'm not opening up the paper checking out the baseball scores and and heath i think that's a great lifestyle decision for you to go with the sport that has games once a week and with a couple (laughs) of primetime games mixed in and i'll say july 1st you can tell your your friends that are fantasy baseball guys that are having just okay seasons because then they all start talking about football and they kind of push those teams a little bit to the back burner a lot of respect for uh the guys who do both sports there's a couple of very successful players in like ff uh pc and nffc that are also baseball guys but i can't imagine it and the lifestyle of doing sunday waivers guys having to put your waivers in on a sunday it just it just sounds awful so we'll, we'll concentrate on the correct sport here today on man versus machine. I want to get right after it. Heath, for two seasons in a row, you've had Kyle Pitts as a redraft bust, but always noted that you consider him a truly elite dynasty asset and a prospect. Uh, Is this the season that Kyle Pitts puts it together and gains additional dynasty value? Because I kind of view him a little bit as a risky asset because right now you could get a ton of trade equity for him, but he, if it doesn't hit this year, this is his third year in the league. What What are your thoughts on on Mr. Pitts? I, listen, I think, first off, I am just happy that his redraft ADP is not going to be in the third round because it's no fun at all calling a, a guy with Kyle Pitts talent a bust in redraft. I did not enjoy it. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't have to do it this year because he's going in round five where he belongs. I think this is the year that he puts it together. I also think that the Atlanta offense as a whole is really fascinating And if Desmond Ritter could just come in and be like Andy Dalton, then everything's going to be good for everybody because they have elite talent around him. And I think there will be enough targets. Listen, is it tough when they're throwing 500 times to support a top five tight end and a a breakout wide receiver in Drake London? 
and a feature back in Bijan. It is, but it helps when your number two wide receiver is Matt Collins. This should be the concentrated target share of all concentrated target shares. And I still don't know, know if necessarily Pitts is risky yet. I still think if things go south in Atlanta this year, you're probably getting a new head coach and a new quarterback. And next summer, we're going to talk about this is the year that Kyle Pitts finally figures it out. So I still think you've got one more year of kind of grace period where people will still view him as a top five dynasty tight end, no matter what he does this year. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a fair point. And I think that there's interesting thing you said was the 500 pass attempts. We saw a much higher number of pass attempts in 2021 than we did in 2022. So we have seen like the Arthur Smith offense look slightly different. Dario, uh, we still have Kyle Pitts extremely high, highly ranked in our in our dynasty tight end rankings. What kind of season would hurt him and what kind of season would help him? And maybe you could take it in the context of tight end finish in redraft. Yeah, I think that, I mean, you guys, I think the, the pass attempts is obviously the make or break thing. And I mean, last season we saw the Falcons and the Bears both take their pass rates to levels like the they reached levels that we hadn't seen the league average that since like 19, the 19, like literally before I was born. So <laughs> it's, it just, it's, I don't, I don't think it's really sustainable to do that multiple seasons in a row. I think like you guys said, they drafted Bijan for the purpose of throwing him the ball. Still, I think that, you know, the basically to answer your question, um, I think that Kyle Pitts, it would really take like him being healthy and being, I think, like a low-end tight end one, like tight end 10 or worse for everyone to really question like his his dynasty value. And I think that's really unlikely given the elite like per route metrics that we've seen him put up as a rookie, as a sophomore in the NFL. I mean, if you just look at some of the targets that he was getting from Marcus Mariota last year, he had no chance, but the air yards were still there. He was still getting the targets per route run. So I think that if he's if he's on the field, he's going to deliver for us eventually, as long as Desmond Ritter is a little bit better down the field than Mariota was. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a very good take by both of you guys. Um, I mean, Kyle Pitts is the kind of guy that people have dug their heels in so much on his profile and his talent that he's probably right. Even if it even if he gets hurt and misses the entire season, he's still worth an absolute fortune in dynasty. But I do think it comes to a point where the rubber is going to have to meet the road and his season is going to have to be a little bit more like his rookie year than last year where it kind of fell off, even though, you know, metrics wise, it was still there. It's more the Arthur Smith offense and, and some quarterback issues. And I do think Ritter is, is slightly underrated right now, just because he's got very good weapons around him and of good defense. I think he could play himself into that starting job um, a year from now, just because they might get priced out of the, the Caleb's Caleb Williams, Drake may tier uh, Keith stick with Atlanta. Bijan Robinson is completely steamed up dynasty startup values. We have him in the top three overall at player profiler, uh, despite not having played a single NFL down. Uh, his value is undeniable. Uh, is his bell cow status a risk for Drake London? Do you see Drake London, another Atlanta Falcon potentially have some risk despite that, the fact that he's 21 years old? Yeah, I, I am not concerned about it as long as what I expect to happen is what happens. And that's what I talked about earlier, the high concentration of targets. Like, I don't think it's we you could see a, a situation where both Pitts and London are over a 25 percent target share. 
and Bijan is still a maybe not. I mean, he's not ever going to I don't think he's ever going to be a 20 percent target share guy, but still in that 10 to 15 percent range while also running the ball 18 times a game. So I think I, I I agree with you on Bijan as a top three asset where I think maybe the, the steam has gotten a little bit aggressive is what the people who have the 101 have been asking for him. Because I don't think it's a good idea if you've really done a true teardown and you're truly not competing this year and it's kind of questionable next year that you should be taking Bijan Robinson. I don't I don't want to have that guy on my team for one and a half, two years when I'm not really a contender. And I've seen people turning down three first round picks for him. I'm not, I'm not ready to go that far. I do agree he's third, but it, for me, it's kind of it's a little bit of a gap between Jefferson and Chase, and then to Bijan. Yeah, we had a a non superflex startup two weeks back in Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, and Alan Sislowski took Bijan Robinson number one ahead of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, and and Matt eviscerated him. Sorry, <laughs> it was very ugly. Um, really, really, really tore into him. It was I had to I had to take my my headphones off for a little bit. But um, Dario, your thoughts on Drake London? Because it's is it a similar uh, in terms of the way we view Pitts? Yeah, I mean, so you have to keep in mind, I have a very big soft spot for Drake London. He played for USC while I was working for the team. So, I mean, I feel like I have a there, there's some kinship there. Um, but yeah, I'm not I would say I'm not too worried. Like I said, the the per route metrics that I like to look at just for determining is this guy good at football? <laughs> he's very good at football. And he's I think that it's far more likely that he'll see a 30 percent target share than Bijan is to see a 15, 15 plus percent target share, at least in 2023. And I think that, he, you know, he's got the draft capital, he's got the profile and he did it as a rookie on the NFL levels. So it's just a matter of that offensive pie getting a little bigger, but it was already concentrated toward him as a rookie. So I think that the addition of Bijan will help actually distract defenses a little bit because last year after Kyle Pitts got hurt, he was the only threat that the Falcons had on the field. And I think that's a that's a good point. If there, if there's a little bit of thing that I'm concerned about with Pitts, it's that London did get those last five games to establish some rapport with Desmond Ritter. Like I I'm sure that Ritter's going to throw the ball to Pitts plenty, but I, in London's in in London's favor, I like the fact that he's already had that time to build rapport with the quarterback. London is just a proper alpha. It's like people throw around the word alpha a lot. If you just watch Drake London play, you're like, okay, I kind of get it. And also he's insulated by his age. So I'm of the opinion that the that Falcons are all kind of biased right now uh, because right. like Heath alluded to, we could see the quarterback position improve next year. There's so many outs and their their number one out is their age. None of them are none of them are, are kind of at the like that 23, 24 level where you start to worry a little bit. Uh, sticking with the wide receiver position, guys, Garrett Wilson. And Chris Olave have flown up dynasty and redraft rankings. How should these two players be viewed in the context of truly elite dynasty wide receiver assets? Is there an argument to selling these two guys based on the steam in the dynasty community? And we're going to start with Heath. And Heath, why don't you, you share your bold prediction for this season? Yeah, it's not going to make me want to sell Garrett Wilson for sure. The bold prediction was that he is going to lead all wide receivers this season, not sometime in the future. This season in targets, in fantasy, in PPR fantasy points at the position. He's going to be the number one wide receiver. And, the, and the, the case behind it is he just earned 147 targets and had 1,100 receiving yards with literally not one starting quarterback, starting caliber quarterback. Like We talk about how great he was, 17 fantasy points per game, when Zach Wilson didn't play. 
as if the other guys were competent NFL quarterbacks. They were not. I've loved the fact, like I had a little reservation when Aaron Rodgers first got traded there or, or during the month and a half when we weren't sure if he was going to, because he can be a bit fickle. Like if he doesn't trust a guy, even if we all think he's awesome, I, I could, could have foreseen a situation where he walked in and thought Alan Lazard was his best wide receiver or Corey Davis was his best wide receiver because they were older. They've done nothing but rave about this guy. And so if Aaron Rodgers is aware of the fact that Garrett Wilson is by far the best wide receiver on the team, I think he's getting a 30% target share. I think he's getting a big boost in his efficiency, which was already pretty good with terrible quarterback play. And so Garrett Wilson, a top five dynasty wide receiver for me, I think he has the potential to be the number one dynasty wide receiver. And my expectation is that halfway through this season, everyone's going to view him as the clear number three behind Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I'm a little bit less excited about Chris Olave. I do think with Olave, there's a chance that I might be willing to sell him for if I was a contender for someone like a Tyreek Hill for for one of those older wide receivers who I think is going to be considerably better this year and might help me win a championship this year. And it's nothing against Olave. I think he's very good. I just don't think there's as big of leap this year from last year. I don't think there's as big of difference from Andy Dalton to Derek Carr. Um, there's some difference. Obviously, the Saints thought there was a, a, a big dollar difference in what they were willing to pay for Derek Carr, but I don't. And, I, and there's just that little bit of risk, and we probably shouldn't even consider it. But what if Michael Thomas plays 15 games this year? What's going? Is Chris Olave going to earn a 27, 28% target share playing next to Michael Thomas? I would be surprised at that. So I think there's a little bit of risk that Olave maybe takes a little bit of a step back. I still, he's still a top 10 dynasty wide receiver for me. Love both those guys. Love hearing the Garrett Wilson love. I have a ton of him in dynasty. I'm very thankful for that. And I think it's going to be very good for my wallet this year. Garrett Wilson was second most all time for targets for a rookie wide receiver. He made the top 10 for rookie wide receivers in terms of receptions with just garbage at quarterback. So you're you're spot on. Aaron Rodgers said he thinks he could be the best uh, wide receiver in football, and I I don't think he's the kind of guy to to heap praise on younger players for no reason. So, Alan Lazard's never had more than 100 targets. Dario, uh, do you have any concerns about Garrett Wilson uh, meeting this uh, unbelievable steam? And he's number 13 right now in underdog, so he's right outside the first round. I bet by the time we get to August, he's moved into the first round because I think the steam will continue. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really hard for me to stomach in a redraft best ball lens, but we're talking dynasty week so that we don't have to think about it that way right now. But I will say, like, the thing that scares me most is we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to retire after this season. Like, even if if Garrett Wilson gives you that number one wide receiver finish this year and then Aaron Rodgers retires and the Jets are back in the quarterback wilderness. I mean, like you said, I think he would still be a clear third behind Chase and Jefferson. But the other thing that has concerned me with, you know, the stats that you're citing, Heath, about like his his numbers in those games that Zach Wilson didn't play in is the number of pass attempts in those games is yeah. super outrageously fluky. I mean, like we're talking about games where Joe Flacco was dropping back 55, 60 times. So I think that some of those Garrett Wilson numbers are a little bit inflated. And I mean, I've actually been pounding the drum for Chris Olave ahead of Wilson in redraft because I think that if you look at the per route efficiency metrics, I think that Derek Carr is going to be a big upgrade for the Saints. And but yeah, there's some concern with Michael Thomas. But like you said, it's extremely unlikely that he'll stay healthy. And I mean, we think that Olave is good enough. 
I, I would say he could supplant him and be a one A and force Michael Thomas to be the one B. Heath, anything to add on the on? Or we we like them both, but you're way more into Wilson. Yeah, I mean, a top five for Wilson, top ten for Olave. No, no disparaging Olave. I just the the Thomas thing is really hard to factor in because if it's like if it's Michael Thomas again then I don't think that Alave is making him a 1B this year. But I agree, if it's a lesser version, that could happen for sure. Yeah, it's just an interesting concept because I'm never trading away a Garrett Wilson share. It would be very mm-hmm. hard to get one from me, even if you offered me a ton. And I think that we sometimes really, really fall in love with the young players when they get uh, you know moved up the rankings where maybe I should move one share if I have a ton of them, but I'm not going to. So I don't I don't I didn't want to <laughs> go into that, guys. We we're, We've closed the door on that one. Uh, the 2022 class of wide receivers not only featured Wilson, Alave, and London, but also had a number of other players that fantasy drafters are getting very excited about. Let's pour a little water on this, guys. Which of these players is going to lose the most dynasty value this year? Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, George Pickens, or Jamison Williams? Start with Dario on this one. I mean, I think that Jamison Williams has already lost all the value he's going to lose this year. So he's probably a, a, a decent <laughs> buy low right now. But between between all the other guys, I would be most concerned about George Pickens. I think that he just he had a lot of opportunity last season that he didn't do too much with. Deontay Johnson was still clearly better at earning targets. I think Kenny Pickett is not going to be a difference maker of a quarterback. So I think that he's there's a good chance that Garrett, um, you know, Pickens is kind of stuck in that middle ground where the the Steelers are committed to Pickett, but he's not really elevating the offense. And the next thing you know, Pickens is 24, hasn't really done anything for you, and his dynasty value has plummeted quickly. I know he's still young now, but I think that I think that kind of like Pitts, he's still going to have some appeal because of that youth, even after maybe a disappointing season, but. He's the one that I'm most worried about because I, I do like Burks and Dotson and Watson in terms of like what they put on tape last year. Heath, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm curious. I don't know exactly where Williams has settled at, but I'm not 100% sure that he's done. But if you could tell me where he's at, I'll, I'll agree first with Dario and George Pickens, 100%. The guy, like just a go route runner last year on a, with a team that just couldn't connect on that pass. I'll say before we kick it back to you, Heath, that I think that Jamison Williams become a little bit more league specific yep. where I think some managers look to get out uh, when the suspension happened. I've seen him go like an FFPC for the 107, somewhere between the 107 and the 111. So he's still worth a first round pick. Mm-hmm. But I think before the suspension, you had an argument to make that you could trade him for like the 104 and non-super flex. And I think that that kind of that ship sailed because I think people are a little worried. They had to wait last year and we got nothing out of the year one and that was expected and now we're going to have a slow start to year two we love the draft capital we love the player but at some point you've got to see it so that's kind of my pushback oh and i'm actually come to now that you ask you got got me to look so he's actually still the wide receiver 27 on keep trade cut i was a little surprised to see that we have him way down at our wide receiver 39 so I guess uh, firmly the player profiler rankings are telling you you can still sell Jamison Williams. And uh, I guess we'll see how long that continues to be the case. So I'm I'm 100% with you guys on that. I've got him at wide receiver 42. And I think that like, there's a real risk. Like we're talking about what he could lose this year. You're saying you could still get a first round pick for him. He doesn't get to practice with the team the first six weeks of the season. If he shows up week seven 
not in midseason form and everybody else is, and we have one month like last year, there's no way you're getting a first round pick form. Yeah. It's it's like a it's like the the idea of Jamison Williams is is worth so much right now to dynasty managers. And the longer you wait, the longer you wait, you the longer you wait, then your opportunity to sell will not be there. So you guys are both kind of saying Jamison Williams is the one you're most worried about in terms of value. Is there anybody between Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson uh, of that little group you think is is pretty insulated and set to do very well? Heath? I, I think Watson probably like I wouldn't expect Watson to rise just because it seems like he all everybody already believes in him. Um, everyone's already expecting him to be a, like a high end number two wide receiver this year or a mid range number two. And that, I think that's probably what he's going to do. So I think Watson's value is pretty firm. I'm quite a bit higher on both Burks and Dotson than what it seems like the consensus is. So those are two guys who I think have a really good chance of growing in terms of what their dynasty value is. I think they should both be top 20 wide receivers right now. Yeah, I love Jahan Dotson. I'm glad you're on that. I, I was just writing about him this week. We have a breakout wide receiver article that I do with a few other writers. And Dotson's my breakout wide receiver. I think he's going to be a wide receiver too this year. I think he's fantastic. Uh, Dario, of Burks, Dotson, and Watson, do any of those guys kind of give you pause or you're taking an optimistic approach with that group? I think I'm pretty optimistic about all three, probably more, most so with Burks, just because, I mean, assuming the Titans don't go and sign DeAndre Hopkins, the the amount of opportunity that he's going to see this year is just going to be massive. And when he was on the field last year, he was extremely productive and efficient. And yeah, I think that he's the one I'm most excited about. The one that gives me most pause if I had to choose between Watson and Dotson, I think just Watson, because of the cost to acquire him right now, there's more that he can do to disappoint you. I'm with you guys, though, that all three are just exciting young wide receivers. Watson, for me, is the one where I like him a lot, especially for redraft, and I like him for dynasty. But I think that he was so good in such a limited sample size last year. We need him to take a big step forward in terms of targets, total targets for the year. And Dario, if he fails to crack like 120 targets, then I feel like then he might not be the kind of guy that that is in his profile for. And he's always going to be like that 100 to 110 target guy. And those kind of guys are, are tough. You know, if it's T Higgins, they can survive. But there's plenty of guys in that in that target level that have struggled to really take a big step forward in terms of dynasty. So I want to have a lot of these guys on my dynasty rosters. But I do think that there's a slight argument to cashing out on Christian Watson, even though I'm still drafting him on my redraft teams. Um, yeah, like if, oh, so if, you get, if you get the right plus on like a Christian Watson for Dotson plus or Burks mm-hmm. plus, I think you're taking it. But yeah, they're, they're all good assets. Heath, to take it to the to the rookies this year, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston for plus for Christian Watson. Are you making those moves? Um, yeah. Yeah, I would. I mean, if I can get plus, um, I actually have Addison and Watson back to back and I, I would slightly prefer Addison. So like that, that range, if I could get something plus, I'm, I'm all about it. We love Addison at player profiler. Dario and I, um, we have him pretty high up right now in our in our dynasty rankings as well. And just quickly, Heath, your your thoughts on Zay Flowers while we're sticking with rookie wide receivers. <laughs> Well, I, I, he may get a little boost here pretty quick if Rashad Bateman has to keep taking shots in his foot. I did not like that at all for Bateman. I, I, I think it's going to be really like we have so this Baltimore, another one 
in a different way than Atlanta, really going to be interesting to see that first month of the season because I don't expect them to run an offense that looks anything at all like what they've done in the past. They've got Odell Beckham with this incredible history half a decade ago who they gave way too much money to. And then you have a, a couple of guys in Flowers and Bateman, either one who could legitimately be the number one. And then how much do all those wide receiver targets impact Mark Andrews, if at all? And so I, I'm really, I think Flowers is a guy who could move up a lot for me in the first month of the season, but he is still at the back of the group of those first round wide receivers from this class for me, a, a top 30-ish dynasty wide receiver. Guys, let's take a quick question from the chat. Trade question, Chris Brooks. Looking for opinions, which side would you prefer? Chris, you play 10-man, which I guess will answer your question, even though you're playing in a 10-man league and not a 12-man league. That's fine. We're not judging you. Um, single quarterback, full PPR. Najee Harris and a 2023-105 plus a 2024 first for Bijan Robinson. So you're basically looking at Najee Harris with uh, potentially a, a Quinton Johnston or a Jordan Addison and a 2024-1. For Bijan Robinson, Heath. Well, just I was say Bijan. You're on well, Bijan. I'm on Bijan. I was just saying that you shouldn't be turning down three first round picks. But I'm I'm kind of low on Najee Harris. Like if I'm selling Bijan, it's because I'm not a contender and I don't think I can win the next two years. Well, I don't want Najee Harris on that team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think that I mean 2024 first. You can say, oh, it's it's it should be an early 2024 first or whatever. But I think that you can't. You Not can't live <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You you can't live in that uncertain. If you just gave up Bijan Robinson, you can't live with not knowing where that first round pick is going to land next year. So you might have muted yourself there. I Theo. said shout out shout out to Chris Brooks. We did answer your question. I thought I saw you were annoyed. We weren't answering the chat, so we answered it. Always take the Bijan Robinson side, guys, because Bijan Robinson is a path to pretty much any player you want. If you want to get Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, you can add a little bit to Bijan Robinson and go get those guys. Uh, if you want the 101 next year, Bijan Robinson is still going to probably be worth more than next year's 101. Even if he misses the whole year, like Brees Hall did, he's still going to maintain that sort of value. He's he's just he's Teflon when it comes to dynasty right yeah. now. Um, let's take it to a little bit uh, lower ranked running backs here. A philosophical question for you, Heath. You've you've mentioned how Isaiah Pacheco to you is a guy you want to get out from under on. Uh, and we'll take this a step further. Does this also apply to a, a Damian Pierce? Pretty much, does this apply to any day three draft capital running back? Are you cashing out on all of them? It, it does apply to any day three draft capital running back. Yes, I would say that it, I, I'm a little bit different at this point in the year on Damian Pierce because I think Damian Pierce could possibly still be a win now running back. I don't like Pacheco is not I don't think he's getting any high value touches. I don't believe maybe, maybe they will in the first half of the year. They're not going to use him that much in the red zone. I don't think they're going to use him that much in the passing game. And he's at an extreme risk like Damian Pierce of being replaced at any moment. So I think like we've seen this over the last several years when I mean, we just saw James Robinson get cut again um, with guys who have really good rookie years. And it just doesn't matter. The team doesn't believe him. Now Pierce had the really good rookie year, or at least, should we say 70% of a really good rookie year? And then he hit the wall. Um, Pacheco wasn't even that good. And then people are getting excited about it because he's a chief's running back, but that trap has really just eaten us up the last three or four years. So yes, I'm getting rid of my day three rookie running backs, except if I have Pierce on a contender. And I think right now, because I'm not a big Devin Singletary guy, I'm holding and hoping that he can be a win now running back. But Heath, 
Pacheco will be the goal line back for the Chiefs. You're pushing back on that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't believe that that's guaranteed at all. Like yeah. Jarek McKinnon was playing more inside the five than Isaiah Pacheco was last year. So and like, he could be. Early. The Chiefs have one of the highest red zone pass rates every year because they have Patrick Mahomes. So I think that right in the sense that a, a traditional goal line back, they, they hardly have one at all. They, so. well, they had four last year. Like there was a period of time where it was Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think he scored five touchdowns in three games. There was a period of time where it was basically Miko Hartman. He scored like seven touchdowns in a month. And then for the last six weeks, it was Jarek McKinnon. And then just to push on uh, Damian Pearson, yeah. and we'll also uh, pour one out for the the Tyler Algeo ma- managers who didn't yep. listen to us <laughs> and trade him away. I traded all my shares, of course, for Tyler Algier. But uh, it's interesting because, you know, you bring up the win now. So it's kind of like, a, do you cash in for Damian Pierce? And it's going to be slightly a also you have to run the risk of the offense might be pretty bad in Houston this year. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting take. Now, here's a, a more interesting one, guys. We're talking about a 24 year old running back who was drafted in the third round and is suddenly the starting running back for one of the league's better offenses. It's also a player who's never had more than two back to back running back two weeks in his entire career and has never had more than about. Daria, correct me if I'm wrong. Alexander Madison maxed uh, carries in a season about 140. Yep. Okay. So we have we've never seen north of 140 carries. How are you approaching Alexander Madison right now, Heath? Are you cashing out or are you banking on? Hey, I, I it's found money. I'm going right. to plug him in my flex or RB two spot. Yeah, it, it is found money, and I hopefully have already gotten rid of all of it. Um, I converted it into a different form. It was like if it was found Bitcoin, and I just wanted to make it a little bit something that I thought was actually going to stay the same cost or the same price. No, I think like Madison is in the RB25 range for me. He he could be really good, but I think the way you laid it out is is excellent. Like I don't have a high degree of confidence that he's going to get the same number of touches that Dalvin Cook did over a full season. I know the five or six games that he filled in, it really went well. The thing that when people cite that a lot of times, they don't mention the fact that none of those games were last year with this coaching staff. Mm -hmm. This was one of the most pass-heavy offenses in the NFL when they won 13 games. Now they're doing some sort of weird teardown but still compete. Their defense is going to be much worse. They're going to be playing from behind more. They're going to throw 700 passes this year. There's not going to be as many running back rush attempts as there were last year, and especially as there were when Alexander Madison was filling in for Dalvin Cook. I, I've i said I want to sell him for a first-round pick, and I say that, and everybody's like, you can't get a first. And then I see all these trades where somebody's getting a first plus Cole Komet or a first plus something else. Go send him to 11 teams in your league for a first and get one. I've tried. No one's, no one's biting. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of one of those things where you – where you don't want to sell low right? No. because now you have the value. I think the way to approach Alexander Madison, Dario, is I package him. I move Alexander Madison and a wide receiver to get a better wide receiver, or I trade Alexander Madison and another running back to try to get a better running back. But he's interesting. And Dario, Heath brings up the past attempts for Minnesota. Madison also didn't crack 100 carries last year, and he never cut into Dalvin Cook in any game. He It was either... Like, hey, this is the DFS, you know, chalk play because Cook's out or, hey, you can't play Madison even in the deepest format because he's not going to see anything when Cook is in there. Your thoughts on Madison, Dario? I know you're a little bit apprehensive as well. Yeah, I know. I think that it's kind of funny because we were ahead of the market on him before the Dalvin Cook news officially broke. It's kind of been under 
everyone kind of knew this was going to happen all off season. So the time to acquire was in February, March. And then I think that the reason you're seeing him on every trade block in every league now is because that's what everyone who, who bought him then is, is hoping to, to flip that for, for, for an easy gain. So I think that, like you said, you don't want to sell too low, but I don't expect to see a ton of production from him. They did draft Dwayne McBride this year. I mean, it's a seventh round pick, but they continue to add to that running back room. Ty Chandler last year. I think that there's definitely more of a chance that we see something of a committee form than than we would hope based on Madison's history. And like you guys, I mean, he's been in the league for four years now. He's no longer a young running back. He's 25. Like it's, I think that if he doesn't, you know, start the year off hot, he could fade into oblivion very quickly. Yeah. And, and Heath, it's kind of like the DFS take lock for people with guys like Madison, where you've seen it time and time out where a guy can play one really, really good game, but it's those guys that are able to string it together for five consecutive weeks. That's a starting running back. And I think it's just a leap of faith right now um, for the dynasty community and the redraft community with Madison. Well, I think it's it's even like in, in real football, they talk about how a team can rally around a backup quarterback for one game. But if they have to play with him the rest of the year, things are probably going to go south at some point. It's just a much different thing to handle the ball 25 times four weeks in a row than it is one time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have little confidence that Madison and I think the other thing is like we talk about this being a pass heavy offense in theory. That would mean there's a lot of running back opportunities in the passing game. With Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and TJ Hawkinson, I don't know why they would ever throw to a running back. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, the 2019 rookie class of running backs are all in intriguing situations in 2023. Who has the best season? Is it your guy, Josh Jacobs, again? Or is he challenged by Tony Pollard or Miles Sanders? What are your thoughts on those three guys? Uh, and then let's also touch on David Montgomery, who's in an interesting situation as a number two back, but a guy who will still have a role. Yeah, I'm I'm mostly, I think, for redraft purposes, higher on all of these guys except for Pollard. And I'm not like I've got Pollard at RB8 or something. So I'm not I'm not down on Pollard. I'm pretty excited about this entire class for this year. But for me, it's it's Josh Jacobs and he's the guy. In fact, I don't understand why he's not in the conversation to be one of the top two or three running backs drafted this year. You look at the guys who had the 300 plus touches who have that role. And most of them are either 27, 28, 29 years old, or something's changed about their circumstances. They have new competition. They have a different coach. He went back to the same situation. Now there's still the risk that he won't sign this franchise deal, but I can't imagine that's actually going to happen. Assuming he's on the Raiders, he went back to the same situation, same coach. Yes. Derek Carr for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't care. Um, Obviously I'm the anti Derek Carr guy. Um, Same competition (laughs) for touches. And he's still just 25 years old. He's a top five dynasty back for me. He's a top three redraft back for me. Love Josh Jacobs. Pollard would be second, although I do have a little bit of concern that Zeke's going to come back, steal the goal line touchdowns again, and Pollard won't won't score six times from 40 yards away and maybe comes back to earth just a little bit. But easy top 12 running back. I feel really good about Sanders and the contract that Carolina gave him. It makes it very difficult for them to go away from him, not after this year, but even after next year. Like it kind of looks like he's going to be on the team three years from now, which gives him a little more stability than backs his age generally do. And this offensive line, this offense made Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard look like really good running backs in the second half of last season. I think he could have a great year. 
Um, Montgomery's the most difficult one because I do love Gibbs, but I think Montgomery's better than Jamal Williams. And I think they're probably going to play similar roles to what those guys did last year with Montgomery doing more in the passing game than Williams did. So you have Jacobs as a top three running back in dynasty, which is definitely ahead of market Heath. And then you'll have Pollard as a top 12 dynasty back, or is that about right? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I've got Jacobs as a top five back in dynasty. He's number okay. four. I've got Pollard at, uh, at 18 in dynasty. Okay. Um, and then I love your Sanders take. I think that Sanders is like the interesting one, because if that Carolina offense takes a big step forward mm-hmm. in year two um, with, with Bryce Young behind center, Sanders will still be the running back there. So like they, they have a path where this year their defense keeps them in games and, and Sanders sees a lot of volume. And then year two, the offense takes a step forward and Sanders, you know, could see a lot more touchdowns. And also his most successful receiving season was with the same coaching staff. So it's it's very interesting. Dario, anything to add? Your preferred player in Dynasty for, for this group um, and maybe push back a little bit on Heath with Josh Jacobs. And I will add that Heath also covered Josh Jacobs for the world-famous draft kit, which is dropping this week, and he did a great job with it. Yeah, I mean, I think w- we actually have Pollard just slightly ahead of Jacobs in our Dynasty rankings, very much in the same tier. I mean... I love Tony Pollard and his passing game usage and he's just so explosive ever like I think he's been better than Zeke since like 2019 and it's about time that the Cowboys caught on to that so I'm excited to see him get even more touches this year I think that I mean last year he was I think just about exactly 200 carries even if that becomes 225 230 this year and he keeps the same target share sprinkle a few more targets his way. I'm extremely stoked to see what he's able to do, but I am worried about this Cowboys offense just generally regressing without Kellen Moore. I think that was a bit of a knuckleheaded coaching decision to to let him go. I mean, you know, I think you know you messed up when the Chargers come in and say like, hey, we'll just pair that guy with uh, our exciting stud young quarterback. Thanks for letting him go. Um, So I'm a little bit concerned about that aspect for the overall Cowboys offense, but I think that those concerns are there with, the Raiders offense as well. I think Josh McDaniels needs to put together a good season this year after the blown leads last year. And then I think, yeah, the the Panthers giving Sanders that stability is definitely a plus, but I'm just worried about Sanders efficiency when he's not running behind the Eagles offensive line and also sharing a backfield with Jalen Hurts. Do you guys have any other concerns with Tony Pollard that we expressed about Alexander Madison? Because like Pollard, even in college, has ne- he's never had more touches than he did last year, maybe in high school. Um, but I, I worry a little bit that they won't, not so much that he's going to get hurt or that he's going to be bad, but that they just won't want to put that many more touches on his plate this year. Well, Heath, he did go to running back U. So University of Memphis is churning him out, man. The, the, um, they do. Well, I'll say this for Pollard. Yes, I think that that is... And I'll give I'll give credit to uh, Adam Harstad, who I think is very very sharp guy. And I heard him make that take as as Pollard is a sell for him. And I thought that was an interesting take because of the profile about how we want it to be a we want him to see a lot more volume, but maybe he's the sort of player that produces better with less touches. But I'll push back that I think that stylistically, based on the fact that Schultz is no longer there, based on the fact that Pollard is the one of the most familiar faces for Dak Prescott, I think that there is a an outcome this year where he's like 75 targets. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would be a leap. But we've seen these guys have these massive target jumps um, and massive catch jump uh, leaps. 
And I think for Pollard, for him to really hit as a top five running back, that would be what I'd like to see. Dario, do you think Pollard receiving 75, 85 targets is in the realm of possibilities for for Dallas uh, stylistically? Or am I just way out there? I think absolutely. There's there's the risk that that Zeke does come back on some reworked deal. I think that they're probably not done with their backfield right now. There's it's just right now it's Pollard and then a, a couple of nobodies. Hey, so Deuce Vaughn is a somebody. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, he's he's five six. Um, he is someone. He's probably like five six I mean, is kind. Yeah. <laughs> With but, the long cleats on. <laughs> yeah, but, but his dad is the running backs coach. So I, I think that that's, that's going to be a factor down the stretch. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But I think that, I mean, yeah, he had, what, 50-some targets last year, 55. I think getting to 70, 75, 80 is, is very plausible because he was only seeing, I mean, he was on the field exactly 50% of snaps last season. If that gets to 65 70%. Like you said, he has Dak Prescott's trust. Dalton Schultz is gone. So Brandon Cooks is going to replace a lot of Dalton Schultz's, you know, pure target volume, I think. But in terms of the area of the field, that could result in a lot more targets for the running backs and therefore Tony Pollard. Let's hope so, Dario. Let's hope so. <laughs> Guys, I want to do quick, a very quick question here. We have a group of older wide receivers being drafted in the first two rounds of redraft and are still holding immense value as dynasty assets. Which player are you most worried about losing dynasty value in 2023? And you could take this to on-field production. Which player between Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, or Devontae Adams are you most worried about, Heath? The all players are 29 or 30 years old. All of them hold a lot of value right now. Yes. I'm worried about all these guys losing value this year, but I would say like the most... I would say would be Cooper Cup because I think he's probably still the highest valued of the group. And there are some people that still view him as like a top three or four dynasty wide receiver. I, I It's hard to argue against it based on what he's been per game the last two seasons. We know the situation with Matthew Stafford's health over the last two years. Cup hasn't exactly been the beacon of health himself over the last three or four years. And so Cup would be the one that I would be most concerned about. How about you, Dario? I think so too. I think that the the Stafford situation along with this Rams offense is is going to be in a rough spot this year. I think that they're still paying the price of, you know, F them picks that that got them that Super Bowl ring. So, I think that they could take an offensive step back that's pretty big and I think DeVonte Adams would probably be second along those same that same line of thinking because, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo this foot thing all of a sudden I, I've been, you know, on this very show, I've been advocating for Devontae Adams and redraft. But when it comes to just who has the potential to lose the most value, I think that a bad year this year for Devontae Adams is not going to be as insulated as, say, Stefan Diggs, who will still be with an elite quarterback. And I think Tyree Kill is is just like such a unique player in how he wins for his offense. I mean, there's there's a bit of a Tua health situation too. If we're bringing in the Stafford element for right. Cup, but I think yeah, when, when you answer the question with just yes on on all of them, I think that's that I, I would agree with that. And with with Diggs probably being the safest. Yeah, D- to me, Diggs or Hill is the safest. And I know Hill said he's going to retire, but 170 targets last year. He's such a dynamic player. The only thing I would worry about with Tyreek Hill is 
when you start losing a little bit of speed as you get older, a lot of his game is based on that. Right. Uh, so the, I, I, you know, I guess you, you should, if you're rostering a bunch of 29 and 30 year olds in dynasty, you should always be a little, little nervous. But uh, I think, I think Heath was right. I think it's probably Cooper cup. I think that he might've had the biggest range of outcomes of all those guys this season. Um, Cause the Rams could just be horrific um, guys. One other veteran, how should we be valuing Travis Kelsey in dynasty startups? He gets older, and yet season by season, he he outscores nearly everyone, including most wide receivers. Uh, last year in FFPC tight end premium scoring, he outscored all but like four quarterbacks, and and he outscored just uh, Justin Jefferson. So it was really wild. Keith, how do you approach an older player like this? He's one of the players that I think, and I I don't know that everybody does it this way, but if I make the decision to draft Travis Kelsey. My strategy for this startup has been altered. I am I'm shifting towards win this year and recognizing that I may have a, a rebuild coming in a, in a year in a couple of years if things fall apart. But I'm not going to draft Travis Kelsey and then draft a bunch of year two wide receivers around him or or rookies. I'm, I'm going to go win the league in year one, and, I, and I'm perfectly fine with that. And in a lot of respects, especially if you're playing with a bunch of guys who really value the, value the younger players, it's probably the best move. Um, but I, I don't have any concerns about him this year and he's not talking at all. Like he might be done. In fact, he's saying the opposite. He's not going anywhere. So I, I'm pretty much to the point where I kind of got with Brady where I'm just not going to believe that he's going to retire or stop being good until it happens. I think he's one of these guys that he's still on your dynasty roster and he's worth more to you as a dynasty asset than uh, as a trade as a trade chip, right? Because people are saying yeah, he's a little bit older. Keith, where do you rank him among tight ends? I've got him at number two right now, um, just because at this time of year, especially like the this year's production does matter, and he's probably going to outscore every other tight end by five fantasy points. So I think one of the toughest things, and I wish I could do this, I would be better probably if we had somebody else that do it. You should probably have two different sets of rankings. You should probably have a set of rankings for teams that are trying to win this year and a set of rankings for teams that don't care about this year. And you should just take take this year completely out of the equation. He'd obviously be much, much lower. I'm not even sure he'd be a top five tight end. But this year, he's number one. Well, yeah. Heath, guess what? I'm, I'm not you sure are, if you were setting you're I'm not sure be... if you were setting us up for that. <laughs> but over at Player Profiler, we just recently rolled out that exact feature. You can yep. uh, choose your strategy mode for your team. So whether your team is win now, rebuild, or you just kind of want to go down the middle with the standard dynasty rankings. We have all three of those modes available to you. So Travis Kelsey obviously skyrockets to number one if you're looking at the right. win now tight end rankings. But if you're looking at the rebuild tight end rankings, he drops to tight end four. So still extremely valuable as a trade piece no matter what. But yeah, that, that it's great. That would be a great feature if someone had that. I agree. Yeah. Well, uh, Heath, Heath, I, I want to give a big shout out to Dario who put the the work behind that feature, yeah. which is fantastic on Player Profiler. And I want to give you a big shout out, Heath, because you're going to be in the video feature for that at some point when we're advertising it. <laughs> Heath coming saying you need this feature in your dinosaur. Well, I, that's, I, that's did, great I did see a little glimpse of that. So, uh, yes, appreciate that. That is fantastic. And want to touch on one player here. We're talking about risers and fallers today. Jameer Gibbs, ADP rocket ship. How do you view him in in the grand scheme of dynasty running back rankings right now? Do you think this is warranted? Yeah, and for, if like if you're putting together rankings for full PPR leagues, I think he should be a top six dynasty running back. 
Um, I just think now I'm, I'm a little, I think I'm a little bit behind everybody on him in redraft this year. And I think, I think that's okay. It might, might take him a little bit of while. Cause I don't think he'll get all, necessarily all of the passing downs work immediately, but I, I just think his combination of age, his profile, we know what really matters for running backs, his ability in the passing game. And he's one of the few backs coming into the NFL with that proven and drafted by a team that really probably overvalued him. Well, that's fantastic. Now he's got four years on a team that values him more than anybody else. Dario, do you see a, so we talk about like Reggie Bush, 86 receptions as a rookie. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was at like 80. Alvin Kamara, 81. Do you see this as a range of outcomes for Jameer Gibbs in year one that he can go 80 plus receptions? Because if he does, we have him too low at running back four um, in our dynasty running back rankings, and Heath has him too low at running back six. I think if he gets north of 80, we're talking about maybe he should be RB2 in dynasty based on that profile. Yeah, I mean, we haven't projected for 50 targets and just under 40 receptions, so that would be a pretty pretty extreme outcome. I think that the thing that concerns me with Gibbs, honestly, is he got so few touches between the guards in college at all, very few carries inside the five-yard line, and we know that receptions are super valuable in PPR formats, but... You know, with Christian McCaffrey, we saw his full game develop. I mean, Alvin Kamara, you talk about just a complete monster in every aspect of the game. I think that the best case scenario for Gibbs is that he's a Kamara and Montgomery plays that Ingram role that you saw in that Saints offense in the late 2010s. But that was one of the most productive offenses in fantasy. We have a chance to see that with the Lions this year. They were really good for fantasy last year. But I think that's the ceiling outcome. And if, like you say, if we do get that ceiling outcome, I think that making him, I would have a tough, I would have like you, I'm hard pressed to say that he would automatically be the RB2 in Dynasty because I really believe in Brees Hall and how his recovery looks to be ahead of schedule. And I think that Brees Hall in this Jets offense has a chance to be extremely exciting, but definitely be up there with Brees Hall in that conversation for the RB2. If he's going to have 40 receptions, Dario. By week nine. Uh. <laughs> um, I, I want to get your opinion, Heath, on Saquon Barkley. 26 years old, playing on a one-year deal. We have some holdout concerns. How are you viewing Saquon as a dynasty asset? He could be the number one overall running back in 2023, but we don't have any clarity moving forward, and he's a little bit older. Yeah, I think he is um, kind of illustrative of the the state of the position right now. Like I, I hear people say Gibbs shouldn't be a top five or six dynasty running back because he's never going to be a feature back. All of the feature backs, except for Bijan, Jonathan Taylor, maybe Brees Hall and Jonathan and Josh Jacobs are 27, 28, 29 years old. That is a dying breed. Saquon's still that guy, though. So he is still a top eight dynasty running back for me. He is ahead of of Austin Eckler. He's the Christian McCaffrey's the only like win now, true win now back, I would say that I have ahead of him. I have some concerns, but this is a position where you can have multiple concerns and in Dynasty still be a top 12 option because of the turnover that we've got going on at the position. And what seems to me to be happening, and I hope it doesn't continue, it seems like as these true workhorse backs fade away, like for every three that disappear, we get one and then we get two replaced by like 55, 45 committees. I don't know five years from now if there's two of them. I think that the nightmare scenario is that teams 
copy the Kansas City Chiefs model for wide receiver and every other team's model for running back. And we're left with all these guys and it becomes very difficult in a few years. Dario, your thoughts on Saquon? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, you talk about viewing Christian McCaffrey as the only win now back ahead of him. I think you almost have to view Saquon as a win now asset as well. Like there's no if you have Saquon on a team that is, you know, is not going to win this year. I think you need to like be getting out from under him pretty soon because after after this season, like you said, the the franchise tag is still looming. I think there's a chance like he's probably going to miss some of training camp and and then after even after he comes back from that plays plays on the tag and then goes into next offseason with total uncertainty on top of just whatever we see from the Giants offense this year I think he's absolutely also a win now asset even though he is a couple of years younger than McCaffrey Eckler so yeah I'll take a, a a glass half full approach with Saquon because I think that we saw him come back last year, play healthy for the entire season. And I think that he's going to, there's a couple of things here that could drive the dynasty value up. First off, I think he could have a massive year this year as the Giants offense improve, improves. And like you guys bring up like the fact that it's a one, it's a one year situation and potentially in New York, he can be very careful about picking his next team. So you could see him in a situation that's that's very, very promising. So I'll still take a glass half full. I'm still trying to acquire Saquon Barkley shares uh, in Dynasty. Uh, we're coming up on an hour here, guys. I have a very interesting question because I know that you guys both take a lot of pride in your rankings and your projections. If there was a single player that you could know their 2020-23 season, who would it be? Who's one of the most difficult players for you to rank and project uh, whether you want to take it in terms of dynasty or just this particular season. Uh, you want me to go first? Sure. Anthony Richardson. Okay. Uh, I love it. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, how many games does he play? Well, is he a competent enough passer to get to continue playing? Because if he is, I'm way too low on him. And I like right after the draft had him at QB nine. Um, I think he's a much more difficult player to rank at quarterback when you are considering super flex leagues than he is when you're considering just one quarterback leagues. Because in one quarterback leagues, I do not care about floor. The floor is whatever I can stream on a weekly basis. That's probably 20 fantasy points a game in a six-point passing touchdown league. In, in super flex, though, that floor really matters, and I don't know that he has any. So I'd really like to see what Richardson had, has done this year to better know how to rank him. Heath, for your dynasty teams, would you rather have Anthony Richardson or that group of Dak, Kyler, Deshaun Watson, sort of the that tier of quarterbacks that are always kind of the fringe bottom QB one guys. I will say Richardson over Kyler in pretty much all formats. Cause I'm kind of terrified of Kyler right now as well. Um, but the other two, I, it would, it would be a format dependent in a one quarterback. I'd take Richardson in a super flex or two QB. I'd take Watson and Dak because I think that floor matters enough. Dario, which player gives you the most trouble this year? And you would, if you could pick one guy and you could see their stats for the end of the year, who would that be? I mean, I'm just I'm very curious to know who ends up second on the Bills in targets. <laughs> Theo, I know you're like absolutely it's pounding. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I set him up for that one, but like just you know, like you you mentioned Gabe Davis earlier, Heath. Like we we know what he is. I think that it's very very good chance that George Pickens develops into that same mold. They they just seems like they don't have anyone after Stefan Diggs, and is that offense going to continue? 
to look kind of one dimensional as they did down the stretch last year because of it. So I think that that's that's my answer for that. It's this is one of those teams that you you think, oh wow, the Bills like their offense is going to be good. They have Josh Allen, but after Stephon Diggs, the rest of their target tree on the offense is really really questionable right now. For me, it's Deshaun Watson, especially mm-hmm. for Superflex and especially for Dynasty. If Deshaun Watson can come back to playing his pre-suspension level, then you're sitting on a tremendous asset. If he plays like he did last year, then he's an expendable asset. And I think that he's at that price point where you can look at him as a buy or a, hey, let's get out of here, sell. So for me, it's Deshaun Watson. Um, I really, really would love to know uh, his final numbers for the season. It would help me a lot. Shout out Biff Tannen, Back to the Future 2. That's what I wish I could do with all my guys. Heath knows that reference. Dario may not have seen Back to the Future 2 because he's a little bit younger, but Heath definitely has. Uh, Heath, why don't you tell everybody again where they can find you? Super generous with your time. You gave us an hour here. Love talking football with you. Love reading your takes. And I hope everybody tunes in to to what you have coming up this summer. Yeah, really enjoyed talking to you guys. It's always a good time to come on with you guys. Um, Yeah, you can go to CBS Sports. You can go to the Fantasy Football page. You can go to the top right corner and see Dynasty Central. That's where most of my content will be. Um, We've got updated rankings coming out next week. You can go to YouTube at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Eastern, and watch Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. You can find that podcast wherever you find podcasts. And then in about a month, you can look at your local supermarket. Yes, a magazine. We've got a magazine coming (laughs) out, and it's going to be fantastic. That's awesome. Highly recommend Heath's work. Uh, Dario, uh, this was awesome chopping it up with you. Uh, Tune in for the rest of uh, Dynasty Week here in the Roto Underworld. On First Class Fantasy, we're going to be joined by Scott Connor. Uh, I know that John Daigle is going to be coming into the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Goat District later tonight uh, has has a big Dynasty show as well. Uh, Dario, anything to t- to talk up? I mean, you you talked about the the magazine. I think we have to talk about the the world famous player profiler draft kit that is going to be dropping any any second now, really. And yep. like like you guys said, you, you scroll down to Josh Jacobs and you'll get a, a video from Heath here. You might find me under Devontae Smith. And Theo, remind me again who you got. I have too many guys. You're going to see me talking about five or six, but you will see my takes on Jameer Gibbs, Garrett Wilson, A.J. Brown. uh, And I think I did Dallas Goddard as well. I might have had a couple more. I I did a lot with the draft kit, but uh, I appreciate it. I think you're going to love it. If you enjoyed hearing Dari, you enjoyed hearing Heath. We have some tremendous members uh, of the industry giving their takes. We also have a tremendous work from our player profiler writers. It's going to be fantastic. Use the code Theo, get yourself some money off the all-in package, um, or just go ahead and buy the buy the, our, our rankings. Heath, thanks again. Thanks again, Dario. Everyone enjoy the rest of their day, and thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.